Expedition 44 here with Matt and Ryan. We're in the middle of a church series and this is episode 21. We've been around the block and all over the place, but today we are diving into kind of what we would like to coin as reimagining church and we this kind of a Frank Viola yeah. take off. We're okay with that. Hi Frank, we love you. Um, so what we're kind of changing our trend to over the next few episodes as we kind of wrap up this massive church series is what does a better picture look like i really like the word mosaic because it's biblical and mm -hmm. just kind of saying you know we've we've kind of the church has evolved into what it is it's kind of gotten away from the first century i'll call it recipe that we were given what does it look like to reimagine a better vision of this? And if you follow the Expedition 44 blog articles, there's quite a bit of articles on this. I mean, there's one on this exact subject of mm -hmm. what does, what would a New Testament church look like today? And that's probably the best way to go. But there's a lot of allusions in today's episode that are already on Expedition 44 blog articles yeah. that you can look at. And so, Matt, where are we going today? Yeah, so... Um, we just finished a whole bunch of episodes on the fivefold ministry, yeah. um, but one thing we didn't do in the fivefold ministry episodes was really look at a, a history of how that thinking maybe came to be, um, kind of where people have assumed that these are hierarchical positions. Yeah. Um, but first, we're really going to look at, um, on top of that, uh, giftings in general, so gifts of the Spirit. We yeah. That's the Ephesians 4 list that we've been looking at for the last five yeah. episodes or so is one of three lists that Paul gives of spiritual gifts. Yep. And so we're going to kind of compare and contrast that. Um, but first, we're really just going to jump into uh, kind of understanding what what gifts are and yeah. then look at a history of how the hierarchical um, mindset of gifts um kind of distorts what these texts say. Yeah. So I think before we really jump into the nuts and bolts of this conversation, there's a few like preface mm -hmm. points that we need to make. And I think the first one is uh, there's an article that we wrote last March on fivefold ministry. And I just want to reiterate that Matt and I aren't uh, against anything mm -hmm. that is typically taught in the fivefold ministry. Like I think when you get into fivefold ministry and they teach something about it, typically everything they teach, we would, I mean, this is a very blanket broad statement, but we usually agree with most yeah. things taught about the fivefold ministry. What we, what we have a hard time with is signaling out those five ministries or elevating them over or above any of the other ones. So that's, I think, where we kind of stand back. The other part is anytime you take what I would call singular text and you build a doctrine out of it or you 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 know you kind of emphasize that over anything else that that's hermeneutically theologically it's kind of frowned upon, yeah. shied away from. And that tends to be what what the whole fivefold ministry is kind of hinged on is you take this you know kind of singular text and you build a whole bunch of things around it and we might call that sometimes proof texting or theological gymnastics or something like that and so we like to be a little more hermeneutically based than that and so just looking at the way that 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 whole thing has exploded we normally wouldn't approach the rest of the bible from a context of understanding the way that they've kind of developed understanding the fivefold office and that's kind of why we step back and kind of have a little bit of an issue with that. I think the other the other caveat off of that is that if you understand gift giving in the culture that the New Testament was written in, mm -hmm. it's 
it's going to create some problems in a lot of the five-fold uh, charismatic. Uh, you might even get into dispensational thinking. It just it doesn't flush out. So Matt, what do I mean when I'm when I'm kind of talking about the gift gifting? Yeah, um, I think any of you have paid attention to our channel for any amount. We talk of time. about this a lot. <laughs> we talk about the three graces. Yeah. And so the three graces. It was a statue and. Um, basically at the ancient Greco-Roman world of these three um, girls that are dancing in a circle. And it depicted um, one of the girls named Grace, um, depicted how a gift should be given by a, a patron. Um, it should, and then the second one was how a gift should be received, receiving a gift in gratitude. Yep. But the third um, Grace in that dance was how a gift should be returned to the one who gave it, not in the same kind, not like repaying a debt yeah. or something like that, but to the honor of the one who gave the gift. And so often when we think of, oh, well, salvation is a free gift, we just think of, oh, well, it's mine and I don't have to do anything about that. Right. And you'll say a sinner's prayer and you're, yeah. you're in, you've said the secret password. But ancient gift giving always um, built a relationship and yeah. built a circular relationship where it created a friendship. Yep. Um, where you would use your gifts to the honor of the one who gave it to you, and then there would be a reciprocal relationship from the gift giver back to the receiver again, and it was this beautiful dance that just kept going. And this is, like Matt said, this is all over our videos, all mm -hmm. over our writing. If you just go to Expedition 44, you see the search box in the upper right, and if you were just to type in Three Graces, three graces yeah. or Dance or something like that, you're going to get lots of articles that talk mm -hmm. about it. Um, during the context of the New Testament, the Roman writer, writer Seneca is the one that probably made yep. that the most common. Yep. So if you're Googling something, you can find that. We've actually got a statue right here in Lake Geneva. They're all over the place. Yep. That was very common in in the first century. Everybody would have understood mm -hmm. it that way. But it even goes farther back than that. Hebraically, everything was kind of defined as a relationship circle. And so today I kind of laugh. You see this in movies of are you in the inner circle? What yeah. that means is are you continuing the circle yeah. of gift giving? That's yeah. that's the context of it, of, of you can't expect something and not be part of this. There's kind of actions and reactions and things like mm -hmm. that. So I don't think we need to talk about that. I think everybody's kind of on the same page. There's lots of great books in the last yeah. five years that were written on this too. Mm -hmm. So if you're at all well-read in the theological yeah. community, you're just going to get this. But there's some places to find it if you want to. So first, before we get into, you know, really talking about gifting and, and using that today, you need to understand the context of what gift giving was in the way that it was written. So first get there, Matt explained it a little bit, but we get way into that and other things. And mm -hmm. so let's first kind of define, surprisingly, we haven't done this. We've been talking about the yeah. fivefold ministry for a while. We haven't really dove into the history of it so mm -hmm. let's just talk about where this comes from yeah and so as we've said in quite a few of our films these five gifts are not really roles or offices you know the positional mindset but they're yeah. they're functions like i said they're they're gifts um and the the ones that view that they're offices this is actually we're going to show you it's it's a new invention in theology yeah it's so, really new. 180 years. So you might remember we talked about dispensationalism, that this is kind Rapture of a theology. newer invention, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And so this this we would put in that same breath of that this is pretty recent. So for the last 2,000 years, 
in large part, no one's thought this way. This yep. is something of, of later thinking. Yep. Um, so let's go first. Let's start in the 19th century, kind of when it came about in England. Um, Christians kind of were um, embracing apocalyptic prophecies about yep. the coming of the millennial age and stuff. This is dispensational thinking is, yep. is brewing in kind of uh, the England, Scotland, that, that whole area. And if you didn't notice, everybody thinks Christ is coming back tomorrow. Yeah, in and their generation. That's been going a long time. Yeah. I mean, the the apostles, the New Testament church thought Christ was coming back right away. Mm -hmm. If I'm unbiased and I'm looking at all of history, that's when I would have thought he was coming back too. Mm -hmm. I would have thought 70 AD, Christ is coming back, but he didn't. And so, you know, throughout all of time, it seems like in, in a person's generation, they think Christ is coming back. And we hear that. Right now, is it more prevalent than it was in the 70s or 80s or the 1700s? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But I, I don't want to get on the doom and gloom bandwagon yeah. when I, I go, yeah, if Paul was here today, he would be he would be more emphatic saying Paul, that God that God was going to come back then than probably with the way that we see it now. Yeah, so in 1824, um, Edward Irving, he was a Presbyterian minister in Scotland, began teaching about the fivefold ministry and... Um, you taught that there were offices. These five offices had disappeared from the church and they needed to be restored yep. in order for like the kingdom of God to fully take place on the earth. And so according to Irving, um, the restoration of these ministries would bring about that millennial kingdom, bring about Christ's reign on earth. And Irving and his followers began what was called the Catholic Apostolic Church in 1832. And its chief purpose was to restore the offices of the fivefold ministry and to usher in the millennial reign of Christ. And this basically is premised around the appointing of 12 apostles. So mm -hmm. it kind of goes back and says, okay, they're the original 12 apostles. Now no. let's appoint another, a, new 12. A, a new 12. And that's going to usher in the millennium or Christ's return. It was, mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but it sounds like they're sort of engineering or telling God when to come, come back. back. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So next we have uh, Henry Drummond. He was a wealthy banker in England and he became the leader of this Kind of church denomination and he took on the highest position of the apostle um, of Scotland and so yep. he prophesied that these 12 apostles along yep. with him would be the last apostles on earth before Christ's return and how did that work out yeah, yeah, not so, much. <laughs> so eventually they all died the last one died in 1901 and upon their death the basically the that church denomination expired. Yeah, they <laughs> so, were done. <laughs> yeah. In Germany, however, that that same denomination, um, in Germany, not in England, in England it expired, ordained another 12, and they took on uh, basically what's called the New Apostolic Church. Yeah, they so started you see that. a little theme here. Yeah. All right, it didn't work the first time. How about the second time? Let's try a third. Yeah, and so then in um, 1896, a congregational minister called John Alexander Dowie um, formed what was called the Christian Catholic Church. And uh, had about 5,000 followers, and he established that in the city of Zion, Illinois. Pretty close to where we're yeah. at. Yep. And so in 1904, he kind of announced that he had been divinely commissioned to be the first apostle in this generation, and he told his followers to anticipate the full restoration of the fivefold ministry yeah. um, through, through that. Um, after that, it was Azusa Street. Yep. We had that in 1906 in L.A., and... Uh, kind of the emphasis there was also the restoration of the fivefold ministry and a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they did see some some yeah. great works of the Lord yeah. there. And throughout that, uh, more Pentecostal denominations kind of sprung up. Yep. And it kind of kept rolling with um, 
this all the way to like 1948 and like Canada and the latter rain. Yeah. Things. The order of the latter the rain. rain. Yeah. yeah. That kind of came around. And yeah. so kind of after all of that stuff in the, in the mid uh, 1900s, the waters kind of receded, uh, you might say of, and you really, that kind of idea of the, the fivefold ministry faded until kind of, later charismatic movements like in the six, late 60s and 70s yeah. um, where you kind of have like the Toronto Blessing and things like that. And then you get Peter Wagner. Um, who so you, you so before we get to Wagner, this is really, I mean, for about almost 150 years, years yeah. 100, 150 years, you keep seeing people kind of saying like, this is why we say it's linked to dispensationalism. Like what's, yeah. what's firing this is Christ is coming. This yeah. idea that Christ is coming, we need to appoint like new apostles basically, and to these new apostles in. are going to usher in the coming of Christ. And it's like a broken record. I mean, it happens four times over. Mm -hmm. And again, if you would talk to people at Azusa uh, in, in 1906, you better believe they thought Christ was coming back then. And then uh, the, the, kind of 1970s Jesus people immersion. There's mm -hmm. just a film about that. Most of the time, if you would have talked about them, there's a lot of the same thing. Now, they didn't quite use the word apostles. They weren't mm -hmm. necessarily putting apostles, but I mean, a lot of people felt like that was ushering it in. And so there's going to be kind of a, a, a regathering of that kind yeah. of thinking. And then like Matt said, mm -hmm. in 1996, this is Peter Wagner. Now, most people, in fact, if you read the expedition article, that I wrote on this a while back, I didn't even list the the four times before this. Yeah. I just started with, with Peter Wagner, Peter Wagner, and Nar. Yeah. And so that's what most people know of as the um, apostolic movement or the new apostolic movement. And they and don't they, see how it's linked to rapture theology and yeah, dispensationalism. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> And it tends to also be, you know, prevalent in charismatic churches. Now you might not know this, but see, Peter Wagner was from Fuller, and he. I like a lot about what Wagner does. In fact, he's one of, if I had to pick probably a favorite charismatically driven theologian, if I would call Wagner a theologian, that's kind of, eh, yeah. I don't know, on, on the fence, but it would be him. There's a lot of things I really like about him. However, I do believe he kind of got a little off, off when this, it comes yeah. to this. So what happened with with Wagner and the post-denominational church? Yeah, so he had this um, kind of conference um, that produced what was called the New Apostolic Movement, which um, Wagner claims was sweeping the globe in a new way of doing church and that um, the church was part of this movement was called New Apostolic Churches. So we yeah. kind of have that re-emerging for the fifth time now of that. So this started at a conference in 96 yep. and then in 99 a whole bunch of people kind of got together and said organize. let's let's organize this yes. international so, coalition of apostles. Yep, exactly. That's what they call it. So Wagner was the presiding apostle there yep. and the movement claimed to be restoring the fivefold ministry for today. And this is where it was clearly established that there would be an office of the modern day pastor and that would be called the apostle. So yep. it was going to set up so, all these apostles all over yeah, the world. So every basically. church needed one of each in the office of the fivefold yep. kind of the apostle yep. the prophet all of, the teacher all of those things so these churches the new apostolic movement um you know what they're kind of are the vanilla charismatic you know institutional churches as frank viola calls it yeah. today and they're kind of he says they're replete with the office of 
like you said, the modern pastor, yeah. which they've renamed as apostle. Yeah. They still have Sunday morning sermons, a pulpit, meeting in rows, no emphasis on real community, right. and they don't really resemble the church of the New Testament in the first century. Now, I'm just going to say, Matt and I both represent Covenant Theological Seminary. We have a lot of friends, a lot of, there's teachers at Covenant, there were tied in with the uh, International School of Ministry, mm -hmm. who is a big five-fold yeah. thing. Um, and I'll even say uh, Dr. Barron from ISOM, like him and I have these conversations all the time. So I want to be careful yeah. here that we're not necessarily throwing people that think five-fold under the bus. We nope. think a lot has come, a lot of good has come out of that. But when we're sitting back and theologically looking at the message of the Bible and kind of flushing out the doctrines or the things that have happened is where does this fall? And so um, I was at the last, uh, we were at a conference out in California and there were several, you know, people that got up and kind of spoke from a five-fold perspective. And then there's another guy that kind of got up and said, you know, there's a lot more gifts than that. You know, there's mm -hmm. at least 22 and there's a whole lot more. And he was very blatant about saying that. And they weren't, it wasn't a spirit of fighting going back no. and forth. I mean, there was like was definitely kind of like, yeah, like, all right, you might think that way, but let me show you what I've experienced or something like that. And so as Matt and I are not proponents in any way of, of the elevation of the fivefold ministry, like I said, most of the teaching on it, we would actually agree with other than the elevation mm -hmm. or, or the, the hierarchy, the hierarchy, the authority yeah. of these yeah. certain gifts over other gifts. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're not really positioned. So yeah, that's kind of where we've gone. And as we've looked at um, through uh, the fivefold, uh, we see that they're not ascension offices yeah. in Ephesians 4, but ascension gifts. Yep. And so a, a gifting is like, as we talked about with the three graces, it's very much different than the way that we often think about it. So when we're having this fivefold conversation, I think that where we kind of start is if there's not just an emphasis of five gifts, then what other gifts are we talking about? What else is there out there? Yeah, so we saw Paul, he listed five in Ephesians chapter four. So let's read that quick, but then he lists, has two other lists that we're gonna go through as well. So let's read Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. This is the one that we've been talking about. So let's just read it to, to reflect on it a second. Uh, it says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, and for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure and stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So this tends to be the fivefold ministry verse. And mm -hmm. if this was the only verse we'd have, I could actually see a lot of framework for it. The problem comes is that it's very similar to two other lists. <laughs> two other lists. Across, if you cross-reference or sort of harmonize this, you're going to get Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Are they the same list? No. I mean, they have some of the same overlapping items yeah. in it. Um, now, I think in Ephesians 4, like we talked about in the fivefold ministry, these are certain gifts that pertain specifically to um, the building up and the maturity of the body. Yeah. But there, it's never said that these gifts are above or better than any of the other gifts. Because yeah. you do see 
some of these other gifts, um, some of the gifts from Ephesians 4 along in the same list in um, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. So I always come back and say the Bible is pretty clear. It's pretty well articulated. And so if it was the intention to build those fivefold, wouldn't it say it that way? Yeah. And so maybe if you only had Ephesians 4, you'd read that and say it. But then what happens when you get to Romans 12? So let me read that. This is Romans 12, 3 through 8. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Boy, it sounds like we just done that just in reverse. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each of you a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same functions, so we who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us who has exercised them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or if he teaches in his teaching, or who he exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. All right, so Paul... Also is not giving, uh, you know, a definitive gift yeah. list here. All right, here's all the gifts there right. are that They're pertain not, to it's this. It's not yeah. a list of 22. And I, it's examples. I, I just preached actually on a topic very similar to this down at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois. And I'll maybe link those two up here. But I kind of made the point of going off of this is, is that there's not an exhaustive list anywhere it's here. It's examples. It's examples. It's pictures. It's mosaics, mm -hmm. you know. And... In plenty of, of other places, okay, they, they didn't have computers like we have that are going to automatically bullet point, but that's not really an excuse. If you read tons of other manuscripts in this era, and particularly the older you go, the more lists you get because it was harder to write in paragraph form than it was just a list. My point is if they wanted to list these things and say, here it is, they would have done that. Mm -hmm. But that's not the context or the way that it was done. Yeah, so... Um the order uh, of these gifts, the way that they're listed in this text, has no significance. Doesn't it's, seem it's to, not yeah. saying that. All right, so this is the first gift. This is the second. And the point is that God has allotted gifts to each member of their body, and they're to use them humbly, not thinking of themselves better than others, but we're all members of one another. And this is really valid because, uh, you know, I make the point sometimes that Hebraically, sometimes the first word of the sentence is going to emphasis or overarch everything else. Mm -hmm. It's sort of setting the, the standards for it. This is Greek, not Hebrew, and it doesn't follow that same kind of thing. Now, there are a couple places in the New Testament where you see that, where in Greek, it might not be the normal thing to just start with the emphasis right away. Yeah. Yet the authors do that as, you know, kind of a Hebraic way of writing. This is not written that way. Yeah. And so what, what we're looking at here is the example Paul is using of all these different gifts is that if you have them, use them. You're hindering the body if yeah. you don't. Yeah. And so that's the big thing is so, and when you do use them, you're supposed to use them unto the Lord and not unto a gain yourself glory or to a position of power or but it says to think of yourself not more highly than you ought to right so specifically when we're talking about the seven there's a little bit of like overlap in the fivefold so prophecy and teaching you're going to get mm -hmm. we also have service maybe hospitality if you call it that way exhortation leadership we we it's get kind of administration yeah you kind of get tied in there and mercy yeah and so notice if it was a hierarchical list 
Paul drops leadership to the bottom right in front of Mercy. <laughs> so, yeah. yep. um, and he he mixes what we think of like he mixes things up together in this is things we might think of as leadership gifts you know like prophecy and teaching and leadership we would think of okay those are the things in charge but he mixes them together with what we might consider lesser gifts to show that there's equality in the gifting so what we're basically saying is if it was meant to be or intended to be hierarchy these these lists from the top to the bottom mm -hmm. would be the same but they're not the same in fact they're all fluttered and does that mean it's disorder? Does Are the writers writing in total disorder? No. 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 He's just saying that he's proving a point that that all of these gifts work together as different parts of our body work together. Our hands work together with our feet and with our mouth and with our eyes. And it works together as one cohesive unit. And Paul was big on order. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was something that he emphasizes over and over and over. That mm -hmm. the, You know, and that, that's a... That's a word that goes back to the beginning of the way that God created the universe and, and giving order. And yeah. so Paul recognizes that. And so if this was supposed to be set up that way, you better believe a person that emphasizes order would have been very careful to emphasize it that way. Whether or not you put him as the author of Romans, he definitely influenced that work. And yeah. so if he was you know, side to side or working with or something like that, the author that would have written Romans if it wasn't Paul, then they would have been on the same page. But then, just just to be clear about this, let's get to 1 Corinthians. This is 12, 27 through 31. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifting of healings, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you still a more excellent way. Yeah, and so Paul begins here, once again, talking about a body. It seems to be kind of his favorite metaphor for the church. The body and the family are his two favorite Now, metaphors. these are sort of numbered, so <laughs> mm -hmm. this might throw you off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we might think hierarchy. Yeah. Um, where kind of Ephesians 4, it seems like maybe it gives a list of order. Um, here, a, another list of first, second, third, then, then, then. Yeah. Um, so, if so, if this is a list about hierarchy, it actually contradicts the list in Ephesians, yeah. the fivefold ministry. See, pastors and evangelists have been kicked out, and then teachers got a promotion up from last place in the Ephesians gift list. Yeah. So you could really get into this and say, all right, when was Ephesians written? When was 1 Corinthians written? Or when was Romans written? Mm -hmm. You're going to get into a lot of I don't knows on this yeah. one. I mean, the dates are all over the place, and we, we obviously could have a very intelligent yeah. conversation on this if we wanted to. But we would arrive the same place that we're telling yeah. you. I would say the dates actually yeah. support this more than they yeah. go the other way. I would say Corinthians is probably the first written out of the three of yeah. the letters. So it doesn't here. work the other the way, way around. around. He's not yeah. correcting this right. list. In the it's not like, points. all right, I said all this. Now let me tell you the order. That would be yeah. contrary or backwards. So let's look at first in Corinthians, what's the issue Paul is dealing with and why does it make sense of this list here um so in this section of first corinthians he's talking about gifts and order in the gathering so that's 
kind of first Corinthians 11 through 14. Yep. He's talking about that and again, order, mm-hmm. order, order. And, and so yeah. that's important. And the whole issue there is the elevation of the supernatural gifts, like speaking in tongues and prophecy and, um, and words of knowledge and all of this above the other gifts in the church. Yeah. Hit the context. Yeah. So that's the context. And so when he's talking here about a list, I believe he's talking about chronology. Yeah. What came first? Right rather than what's more important. Yep. So he's saying first came the apostles, yep. second came the prophets, third came the teachers, then came miracles. Yep. After that, first, like the foundation needs to be established, and then you see works of the Spirit coming forth. From and if that. you historically read you know, the record of Acts, it follows that record mm-hmm. of the way that everything's revealed. So that seems to be the better interpretation of... Uh, and I, I would say if you go the other way with this, if you try mm-hmm. to rank them like that, you're going to get into all kinds of problems because I would actually say that that is not fitting with the way that Jesus taught. Yeah. And I think the then, the word then is really important mm-hmm. in, in the, the verse here because it's not about disregarding the other gifts, but putting things back in their proper place, bringing balance. So what would Paul like say to the evangelical church today if he was giving us a gift list yeah. like this? What is it? Yeah. What, what Would he like say, oh, well emphasize maybe certain gifts such as mercy and hospitality and stuff. And maybe he might put evangelism and, and teaching maybe lower, lower on the list. You don't know. You don't know. We don't know, but I mean, all of it is important, but the thing is he's bringing balance to the church. He's not creating a list of what ones are better than others. So he's putting them all on par with one another. Um, So then after this, Paul gets into, you know, a bunch of rhetorical questions He's asking, do all do this? Do all do that? Um, I think the answer to all of this is no, no. pretty obviously, <laughs> yeah, right? right? So not all our apostles, not all our <laughs> teachers, not all our prophets. And so just because you don't have that gift doesn't make you a second-class citizen is what he's saying. And I think that is the danger of the the fivefold ministry is it escalates these gifts over the rest of the gifts and it makes people feel inferior or they're not there, there yet or they, they haven't quite gotten there and we hear this a lot kind of with the gifting of the spirit with tongues so matt mm-hmm. and i just so we're all clear matt we and believe i in it. <laughs> we believe in it we go to a what i call a charismatic church mm-hmm. and so you know if anybody would believe in it we believe in it i'd even say cts has a charismatic mm-hmm. flair to it and uh you might might call it spirit filled whatever you know and so we are proponents of the gifting of the spirit and tongues and everything like that, but we still don't want to elevate it. In, fa- mm-hmm. in fact, I, I would say it would be wrong to elevate it that way. And that a lot of people have been given sort of inferiority complexes over that sort gift, of yeah. the gift or what the church has tried to do. charismatic uh, denominations. Yeah, like if you don't have it, like you're... It's the proof of something. Exactly. You know? yeah. and, and if you don't have it, you're second class. I just say I'm very very hesitant to see that anywhere in the scripture and especially one of the sort of revelations of this is i usually find that the old testament is the shadow or the pre-shadow of things that are to be foreshadowed later Mm -hmm. and this gets hard when you're talking about those specific giftings because you don't really see them in the old testament Mm -hmm. if they were it would seem if they were that important you would see a more regular base of them throughout the whole lens of the bible or at least there'd be a place for them and that's that's a video in of yeah, itself. Yeah. I don't want to get into that, but yeah. but be careful. The other thing is, there seems to be a word play going on here of of 
desire. Mm -hmm. And so desire, when you look at it, it's, it's linked to zealots. It's being, it's linked to being zealot about something. And this is, he's not throwing it under the bus, but he's also not elevating it. Mm -hmm. So, so the zealots, uh, at the time of Christ, we have the disciple zealot, one of those, they weren't necessarily frowned upon or told not to be part of it. Obviously there's a disciple, there's a whole culture of people that were fervent for the Lord and wanted mm-hmm. to leave Rome and go yeah. start and you know Expedition 44 if you read our description we actually talk about those you know the sons of God and there's a lot I like about that mm-hmm. but it's sort of a contronym word and the zealot if, if, if it's overdone it's not a good thing yeah. I mean the people on the cross next yeah. to Jesus were zealots yeah and so what do you do with that? You know, and when they say give us Barabbas, well, who do you think Barabbas was? He was a he was a zealot. <laughs> yeah. Was he a good guy? No. And so when you see these words of, you know, the 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 Greek linking zealot to desire, it's sort of it could go good or bad. Yeah, every everything within a little bit of order, I mm-hmm. might say. Yeah, and so also like when we think of desire in our American or English context, we we might think of mentally like of the the desire like the uh, affirming that i want something yeah, right right um where this is more about really wanting to rather than just wanting to receive a gift but actively striving for the gift yeah um and so we got to ask what are these gifts because he says like desire the greater gifts right? right strive for these greater gifts and some have made these greater gifts just the supernatural simply right. just the supernatural gifts like tongues healing or anything else in in that realm but we got to ask, is that really correct in the context here? Uh, I think chapter 13 lays out the way that you should desire. So this is really interesting because when a lot of people think of gifts, they go straight supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they don't. I mean, I know woodworkers that have quite mm-hmm. a gift. I'm not gifted that way. And so um, I would not be one to make the salads for the potluck. You wouldn't want to eat my salad. I would not be one to build your house. I'm not gifted that way. So there's all kinds of these gifts. And we we seem to see that some of them have a supernatural flair and were probably being elevated during that time. And he's kind of setting the record straight. But he does emphasize some gift now. It's really important to notice that the gifts that he says emphasize faith, hope, love the greatest of these is love so we have those three emphasized what's interesting is that there are three gifts that are also going to work as adjectives that are going to describe more specific areas so Mm -hmm. you should if you're gifted in making salads or a woodworker building houses Faith, hope, and love are the three things that are driving yeah, your the gift foundation area. for every gift. They're part of every gift. And so it's not like saying, you know, speaking in tongues, for instance, is faith, love, and hope part of those? Well, yes, it is, but it's driving that as mm-hmm. much as it drives the rest of the gifts. And yeah, so I guess we kind of got to ask, like, what is love? Like, yeah. like we, we throw out this word all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, agape is like the Greek word. And I really like the way Scott McKnight kind of talks about it. Um, it he talks about it in, in the way of being incarnational. And in covenant. Uh, yes. Yeah. So Jesus really displays true agape love in the incarnation. And the church is called to reflect that in their use of their gifts with each other. Yeah. Um, so this is a quote from Scott McKnight. Agape love is covenant together or a rugged commitment to someone. It's a rugged commitment to be with someone. It's a rugged 
commitment to be for someone, and it's a rugged commitment to be unto someone and seek to become Christ-like together. So it kind of encompasses the zealot thing. Yeah, the zeal. Like you've got a desire for that. You have this deep desire of faith, which I would say allegiance. allegiance tied in there. Yep. And then you have hope. And so that's the anti-fear, despair of trusting in the Lord completely mm -hmm. for everything. And then love is being with or unto. It's interesting that, you know, we were, I just preached on elders and, you know, I, it, it's, it's talking about that they're not over people, they're amongst or in the midst. Yeah. And this is very similar language when it mm -hmm. gets into the zealotness thing of building the, the equality or the unity together. Yeah, so let's kind of wrap up. Um, we kind of quickly went through these three kind of gift lists here. Yeah. And so before we kind of move on to looking at like how do how are gifts used in the gathering. Yeah. Um, so we need to kind of mention that before we, we kind of move on that these gift lists are not exhaustive. So there's not just 22 gifts. Now, yeah. it is true that I would say that the Bible does list 22 gifts. I mean, if you really do a great study on it and you search for this is a gift, this is a gift, you're going to get 22. Mm -hmm. However, it describes a whole lot more than 22. Yeah. I mean, it pretty much would say that anything, this goes back, this is why you have to have a context for the gift, the giver, the reciprocal circle that mm -hmm. we talked about. Because anything that has been given to me through the Lord is being gifted to me. It is a gift. I mean, this camera that we're recording with is a gift from the Lord. Is it a spiritual gift? Is it listed in the Bible? My camera's not anywhere in my Bible that I know of, yep. but it's definitely a gift from the Lord that mm -hmm. we use on a regular basis. Yep. Yeah, so the Spirit gifts people, um, like you talked about with craftsmanship. When you look in the Old Testament, he, it, it said that the Spirit gifted the guy who was making the articles of the mm -hmm. temple. That was a spiritual gift. Um, there's many other examples, too, that basically point to this. and But it, the point is not that your gift is the end-all, be-all thing in the church. You see that there's no hierarchy right. in that. You shouldn't make your gift the most important thing in the church, <laughs> right? right? It's, not, it's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. It's about serving others. And, and, so, and we all need each other's gifts, and they all the gifts need to be based in the foundation of faith, hope, and love. So this is also interesting because in a Hebraic sense, it's all about community. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, do you remember in the New Testament when the disciples are uh, appointed and Jesus is discipling them, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And what, what does mm -hmm. Jesus say? It's not about you, basically. Yeah. Like, get back to Hebraically thinking about the communal body of Christ, that Christ is the head of the church, the head shepherd, the only shepherd of the church. And that's the way you should be thinking of it. If mm -hmm. you're elevating anything beyond that, whether it's a gift or a person, a position, a function, any of that stuff, you're thinking wrongly. You're in the you're in the wrong ideal. That it mm -hmm. goes back to a community or a kingdom of Christ, and there's one shepherd, and all the gifts go to mm -hmm. point towards that shepherd. And I love uh, Paul's analogy of a body and all the different functions that yeah. each gift is a different part. And so, for for me to truly be me, the appendages, the functions of my body display my will, the will yeah. of what I have in my head. And so that's what we're supposed to do with Christ is that our different gifts should be displaying and making Christ so beautiful to the world that they can't resist it through the way that we love one another, through faith, hope, love, and yeah. the use of our talents, our gifts, um, and all of that. All right. So here's the fun part. Let's reimagine for a little while. So let's kind of transition. Now we've kind of you know, said this is what's wrong with the fivefold or thinking that way. Let's get equality among the gifting. Let's not limit the gifting. 
what what does your world, what does your community, what does your church, what does your family look like if you take a better angle on these gifts? Yeah, so we're going to look a little bit at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the rest of it. We looked at the ending of 1 Corinthians 12 yeah. as his gift list. Well, we're going to go back to the beginning now and it, kind yeah. of look at through all of this. And 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is one of the few places that we actually get like... Um, like dropped into the middle of a church service yeah. in the first it's century. It's a unit. It functions it's together. A, yeah, yeah, and so it's explaining. Paul's explaining how their church service is going about here and bringing some correction to things that are off, but praising some things that are good. Yeah. And so we're going to kind of look at look at that and um, and walk through it and like how can we apply this to our context today? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let, let's uh, dig in First Corinthians twelve four through seven. We're going to read and talk about that a little bit. We're going to take these in little bite sized chunks and just make some commentary on on them as we read through it's pretty self-explanatory so i'll jump into that yep now there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit and there are varieties of ministries and the same lord there are varieties of effects but the same god and works all things in all persons but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good all right so variety of gifts so it says but the same spirit it says there's a variety of ministries yep. but there's the same king the same lord uh there's a variety of effects a variety of way things are done but it's yeah. the same god working everything and and really to each of these um the manifestation of the spirit it says it's for the common good yeah it's not for you <laughs> so these are pretty self-explanatory yeah. in fact it would be we're just going to keep this quick because it'd be hard to interpret that any yeah. other way yeah so the next little bite-sized one is first corinthians 12 8 through 11 for to you one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Boy, this is some of my friends my my pentecostal friends favorite section of verses in here yep and so paul lists again a bunch of gifts yep. most of them here are supernatural yep. like more supernatural ones um but he says that each come from the same spirit as he distributes all gifts yeah according to god's will yeah it, it is according to god's will so it says to work in your gifting and not to envy other people's giftings is really what this is about you're you, even if you don't have these supernatural gifts I, um, you're still important to the family of God. So the same way we've talked about the other ones in here is that this is not order. This isn't emphasizing one of them. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's talking about equality or it's talking about not elevating one gift over mm -hmm. the other. That's the main flux or the main influence of the text. Yeah, and I think that Paul isn't diminishing the supernatural right. gifts at all. We're not... This video isn't about saying, oh, we're going to poo-poo on, right. on the supernatural gifts. They're important, but... We have the tendency, especially in more charismatic leaning denominations, yep. to make them more important than, let's say, hospitality right. or mercy yeah. or faith or yeah. things like that. Um, so yeah, so that that's kind of what Paul's getting at, that each one comes through the wisdom of the Spirit. Okay, here's another one. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. We'll just kind of keep going. The next section after that. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all members of the body... Though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, 
And we were all made to think of the spirit for the body is not one member, but many. So this is what we alluded to a few minutes ago. Let's spend a little bit more time here. Yeah. So again, we get um, the body metaphor for the church. Yep. Uh, we've used it many times here. Um, baptism. Pledge of allegiance yes. thinking. Yeah. yeah. So you're all put, when you're baptized, you're put into one body, one community, one kingdom. And what do you do? You join the community the next day. You check it at the beach, leave everything behind, join the community. We well, yeah. don't think that way. Yeah. <laughs> no, next week we're going to be, um, or next video we're going to be looking at um, reimagining community. Yeah. And we see in Acts um, when the thousands were baptized yeah. at the day of Pentecost, what happened immediately in the next verse in Acts 2, 42 and 43, they're involved in community, submitting to the apostles' teachings, breaking bread, fellowshipping together, praying together. Yeah. Um, like they're being the church. And and that's that's what, what we need to, to see. Um, so also in this, there's, there's similar words because we get this, um, almost the exact same words in Galatians and Colossians where we say no Jew or Greek, slave or free. Yeah, um, Galatians 3 talks um uses this list and he adds men and women and yeah. the, paul i believe is implying that here that there's yeah. no distinctions right. among gifts no distinctions among people um which means there's no hierarchy there's no yeah. tribes uh there's no difference between people in the kingdom um check your though, pronouns in greek <laughs> yeah we, we might have different giftings but it yeah. doesn't we're not distinguished um as one higher than the other based on your social status yeah. your um, your sexual status, your gender right. status, like, like there is no distinction. All are one in Christ. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think in verse 14, Paul uses the body metaphor saying that, um, the body is not one member, but it's many. Yeah. So when we're reimagining church, the, this is like the elephant in the room because what we're saying is the is is to look at all the gifts yes. equally. And when you take a typical church service, you start out together and you come together. There's some greeters at the door. So that's some gifting gift, area. Yeah. And then you come in and you might get a cup of coffee. So there might be somebody serving you a cup of coffee. And then you go and you sit down and there might be somebody come over and say, hey, do you need a giving envelope? Do you need anything? In some churches, there's even, you need some water, you know, da, 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 yeah. da, you know whatever. Um, and then there's the musicians. Another gifting area. There might be a drama or a skit that was more in the 90s. It's been yeah. a while since I've seen one of those. But but again, you could yeah. see part of that. Some Pentecostal charismatic churches, you might see people off to the side, waving flags, dancing. That could be mm -hmm. a gift. Painting in some. Yeah, painting, art. There rare, might though. be people taking pictures here and there. Doing the video. Yeah, and, and then you get somebody that's going to preach. And this is a large part of the sermon where you get, you know, kind of the yes, yeah. gifting of the one or something like that. And then at the end, usually there might be some kind of, okay, if you need prayer, we've got people in the front or in the sides praying mm -hmm. so so what we do now if you break it down the way i just did there actually is a lot of giftings yeah. going on the, if you recognize them if you recognize them but yeah. the problem is is that most of our churches are going to overemphasize two or three or maybe five of those within the service so any church that i know to you could just grab a map and go like this and i'm going to this church and go to that church and you're going to see this overemphasize at just about any church you go to. You're going to get a message for, what, 40 minutes? Yeah. If it's seeker sensitive and maybe an hour if it's not. And then you're going to get a praise and worship thing anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes all the way up to half 45 hour, yeah, minutes, yeah. half hour or yeah. whatever. When I first started coming to our church, 
I think the music was actually like an hour. It was a yeah, it was about a long 45 time. minutes yeah. or so, yeah. Yeah. And so you're you're going to get those two things emphasized more than anything else. So if you're reimagining church and this is just going to be a leave it there rhetorical question for now, although we're going to yep. approach this a little bit, what would a church look like where it's a more even scale basis of gifting? What would that look like? Yeah, so the, I think um, when we look at the early church, um, we we in our modern churches center, like you said, a whole lot around maybe the music, which um, which it, it's an aspect, it's a gift, uh, the teaching, the preaching. And both of those it, things are really important. They're really important. Yeah. Um, but when you kind of look in the Reformation, um, the Zwingli moved his pulpit to where the altar was and the center of the entire yeah. service was always communion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so kind of communion, like maybe, and we're going to talk about communion in the next, yeah. next one, when we look at reimagining the community the communion, the way we yeah. do it probably isn't what it was intended to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just a yeah cracker and a sh shot of grape juice. Um, <laughs> once a month at that, right. um, maybe once a quarter, depending <laughs> on your church, but it was like a big elaborate thing yeah. at the center of every single really service. based on the seven feasts and the festivals. Yes. I mean, that was what it was mm -hmm. supposed to be. It was supposed to, you're quitting your job. You're coming together yeah. to, you know, really be immersed in this, but we'll get to that. Yeah. We're going to get next there. episode. So yeah, but so, we're reimagining. This is fun to yeah, kind of look at what it looks like. Just get, it's trying to get you to think. We're asking a lot of rhetorical questions. The other thing I want you to consider on that is Matt and I are both are both teachers, and we're actually both preachers at the same time. However, what did Jesus do? Do you see him preaching sermons after sermons after sermons, or do you see him teaching more in a disciple fashion? What we see is discipleship. Mm -hmm. We see him teaching. We see him taking life situations in those moments and applying them to the mm -hmm. development spiritually of who people were. It's actually very little sermons. Yeah. I mean, we got the Sermon on, on the Mount. Mount. Yeah. I mean, Do we have anything else? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That, we that's, have parables. Love that's parables. a hard one, you know. Do we have any other sermons other than the Sermon on the Mount? And I, I'm just... Again, we're leaving a lot of this stuff because we're not trying to throw rocks at it or anything like that. I'm just saying that most churches are more rhetorical examples of speeches than they are really teaching solid biblical content. And looking at this big gifting area, this is one of the reasons why it's an issue, is mm -hmm. that when you're talking about each person discipling, you just preached last week at Mount Zion, and I loved how you emphasized, does everybody have their one, their three, their 12? Like, mm -hmm. you should be able to say right now, I'm being discipled by this person, this person, and this person, maybe just yeah. for a season, and I'm discipling this three. person, yeah. this person, and this person. And so too many people, if I walked into most churches and I said, all right, like, give me your lists. What are they? Nobody could give you a list. And so we've kind of gotten off the boat. But when we're reimagining a better picture of gifting, I could learn a lot. I mean, Matt and I both have THD degrees. We've been in this not just for 14 years, but probably twice 14 years now. And so, you know, we're at the point in our life where some people would think, we know everything there is to know, yet Matt we and don't. I, we know, we're, we're learning every <laughs> yeah. day, especially when it comes to building things. I had mm -hmm. uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Sam, in here the other week. He's a guy I'm discipling, and I invited him to come into this shop. Our evangelism episode. Yeah, and I invited him to come and like 
build a gun safe out of brick and mortar and like I sat there for a week under his discipleship when it came to that particular craftsmanship. Mm -hmm. And you better believe there are all kinds of spiritual takeaways and analogies. I mean, we were immersed in Jesus the whole time we were here having that display. And that actually, in my mind, might have been a better example of first century church than the Sunday morning I experienced last week. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's keep moving in this text here. We're going to read um, verses 15 through 21. It says this, If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, um, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, what where, the, where would the sense of smell be? But God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desires. If they were all one member, we would be, what, where would the body be? But there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not have need of you. Or again, the feet say, hand, head say to the feet, I have no need for you. All right, so the main thrust of this is kind of what the, the main takeaway, the central context, I would say, theologically, is that they're saying every gift is as important to me. Now, I don't know if you've ever lost something. I know friends that have lost their pinkies or something like that. But, I mean, even if you get a splinter, like, it takes your finger out of the mm -hmm. game for a while. You know it. It's, like, yeah. detrimental to the way that you function or things like that. And I, I remember, you know, when I was younger, I broke this finger I was in school as in high school and I couldn't write for you know like three weeks I couldn't write anything and like that had huge detrimental effects on my school mm. situation and so is my is is that detrimental to lose that well in the spiritual body that's what it is now there's also another thing that I want to say is that again these are sort of mosaic pictures mm -hmm don't don't read or write too much into them too often we take it too far and i don't think the intent was to be like that so i guess what i'm saying with that is you know you might go the other way with this and say well plenty of people function without a finger and they just just do do just fine but the idea is that you wouldn't want to function without a body part yeah. you know that that each one of those god built your pinky mm -hmm. for a reason and if you yeah. don't have that you're gonna miss it yeah if you were to have your leg cut off it would you wouldn't be able to move around very yeah. well right. <laughs> so right. um so in these verses yeah like you said um that every body part every gift is important yeah and paul is really i think coming against the elevation yes. of certain gifts yep. in this context remember the super spiritual gifts are yep. being elevated in corinth above all the other gifts and maybe today it might be like we talked about the, the, the sunday morning sermon or evangelism or music <laughs> it might be a gift that's elevated over something but the gifts of maybe mercy and compassion um, or helping people behind the scenes are as important as the one teaching or leading the music there's some honor language in this so when you read a lot of uh first century culture things you kind of get the idea that things are to be honored and mm -hmm. so this is the way this is written is is almost saying of like don't forget about the people on the sidelines yeah. the, they, they need to be honored in, in terms of if you're elevating this one, you're not properly honoring those that are serving in these other gifts. Yeah, and the, the people with the gifts that might not, um, they might not get up and speak in the gathering. And like Paul said earlier, not everybody has the gift of teaching. Not everybody yeah. has that. And, and so 
they might not be the ones who you want necessarily gifted in leading the gathering, yeah. but they play an important part in the gathering. Um, but those who are leading it should be quick to recognize the less visible, I think, in front of the body of Christ. It seems like you're kind of getting this thing where there's probably some people that are envious of gifts that they don't mm -hmm. have, yeah. you know, that I want this gift or, you know, look at this person with that mm -hmm. gift and kind of elevating them. And it seems like one of the major contexts of this is saying, God gave you a gift for a reason and reciprocally, you should be completing the mm -hmm. circle. And if you do that really well, it's going to look really, really good. And I do think that there's some gifts that are, that visibly to the rest of the body look better than others. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously the person that is teaching, everybody's going to be desirous of having those teaching gifts where, you know, maybe somebody that's more of in the shadows, you might even say a prayer ministry, yeah. like, yeah. you know, is that or sound tech? Yeah, yeah there you, go. <laughs> you know, but, but the, the example is really, I believe that it's total equality that, mm -hmm. that we're saying that each, yeah. each one of these is just as important to these as the other one develop this. And I, I kind of want to stop and say, like, I always emphasize people to take their gifts as, as far as they can go, because I think that like anything in life, you can, you can, you can recognize a gift and take it to so many different levels than you ever thought were possible. And I think in the body of Christ, that's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. If you can get to that point where, I mean, your church could be recognized by the audio visual ministry mm -hmm. or it could be recognized by, you know, the prayer ministry of it. And, and so how beautiful is that? But the more beautiful thing would be is if every gift was functioning that way on all cylinders, you might say. And yeah. So I think really encouragement and recognition is just so important in, yep. in the, in the gathering as we're reimagining the gathering. Maybe ask yourself if, if you're a pastor, I know we have lots of pastors that, that watch this, um, like how can you recognize maybe some of the less visible gifts and, and bring some recognition and honor to those people for pointing out their gifts? Yeah, they might not be on the, the platform or, or, yeah. or, or in, the, in the center if you're meeting face-to-face -face in a circle, but how can we recognize those different things? And the point of this section is that we need to celebrate the variety of gifts because each different part like, is a, a display of Christ in our midst. I think you, you bring out a really good point in that one of the kind of hard things about church today mm -hmm. is that there's this underlying feeling that we should be doing everything unto the Lord and that there's, that, that we shouldn't have any other motivation. Yeah. There should be nothing else that drives us. So I should, you know, don't go, need to be recognized. Yeah. It. Go work on cars because that, because I'm doing it for the Lord. There's no recognition, but Honestly, there is so much, so many verses that talk about encouragement among the body and edification exhortation, and yeah. exhortation, everything that the best pastors I've ever seen typically weren't the ones that rhetorically gave the best sermons or they weren't even really the best teachers. But as they led their, their body of Christ, as they shepherded everybody mm -hmm. in, the ones that did best are the ones that truly cared about shepherding people. The ones that the truly cared about the encouragers, the cheerleaders of it. I mean, the ones that were just there all the time. What can I do? How can I support you? You know, showing by example, mm -hmm. hey, I don't have this gift, but let me let me just show you how I might, uh, what, what it might look like. Paint the vision, so to speak. And unfortunately, most of, most of the pastors I know today have kind of taken that first mindset that we mentioned that they don't need to do that because people should be working as unto the Lord. And 
it's almost like this, okay, now we don't need to encourage anybody. And that, mm-hmm. that kind of thinking has really been detrimental to the church. In fact, I think this is emphasizing the mm-hmm. opposite of that, that yeah. encouragement is more important than anything else. I think it plays into kind of even our individualistic culture um, is that you don't want to try to puff anybody up, you know? Um, And so if you feel like, oh, if I encourage them, then then maybe that'll go to their head or whatever. But but it's not. I'm like, you want to encourage them to take their, take their gift further, encourage them to, how, how can you have such a great gift? How can you like display Christ in this, maybe this new way? Have you thought of it this way? Right. Uh, Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. So let's keep going. Yeah. Own your gift. Own your gift. All right. First Corinthians 12, 21 through 27. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be the weaker are necessary and those members of the body which we deem less honorable on these, there's the honor word again, yep. on these we bestow more abundant honor and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacks so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for the one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Yep. So the church really here needs to have the mindset of the last being first and the first being last and where every person is needed and no one is really sidelined. Yeah. Yeah. That creates, that's where division comes from when we think oppositely of that. So division is the opposite of unity. If you want unity, then don't sideline people. Yeah. And so there really must be the same kind of care and, and I guess status in the body. Yeah. Yeah. I would call this an exhortation of equality Mm -hmm. or mutuality might be a word that people like better. Yeah. And Paul kind of, gives the right after this he gives the gift list that we just covered um a little bit ago in in the context here where he summarizes that all these gifts are needed and not just the supernatural ones and faith hope love is emphasized yep and so that that's really kind of it gets down to that when when our gifts aren't used in love together as paul would explain in the chapter i mean a few verses after that then it it's really just a noisy gong or a clanging symbol and when it's supposed to instead, like we've talked about the beautiful symphony of unity yeah. before and in in living together in harmony. Yep. And that is really what Paul wants with the gifts and what Jesus wants with the gifts yeah. to properly show how beautiful Christ is in our gatherings. Yeah. So we're getting, we're getting down there on this, but I will also say there's an article on Expedition 44 called Edification. And a lot of times... Um, we don't really edify properly, and I think that article kind of says that, in that when we're building up one another, the context of it is that if somebody says something that's a little off or something like that, too often we just get offended by mm-hmm. it. And rather than getting offended, it, it takes time to like pull yourself into that relationship and maybe speak into it to... You know, not just let somebody's words go that way, but build on those words and say, oh, you know, and clarify a little bit and and help them rather than go against them or hurt them. And know their character and be like, all right, like Matt might have said this, but I know Matt's heart and this is what Matt means. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Go to bat for him, so to speak. And so I think if we're doing that as a church, we'd understand the heart of it. We'd Mm -hmm. understand the, the, the 
understanding of the unity of the body not causing division but we're just sometimes not willing to go to bat for each other yeah, and that's all of first corinthians 13 is in the context of gifts yeah it's read at a wedding quite often yeah. <laughs> the first corinthians thir- 13 is all about all right so we're going to be using these gifts right yeah. in the body in our gathering then how can we uh, assume faith hope and love yeah. um and edify one another um so that we can properly display the love of jesus and yeah. assume the best of one another. You know, and I hate to say it, but in this context, I've said before, it's got to come from the top. But that that is a direct reflection on that sort of messed up. That, yeah. was, that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. There's not supposed to be this hierarchy. And it has so, come from the top, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so the idea is that, you know, right now it's not just... When I say it's got to come from the top, it's not just your your head pastor preaching it. That's not what I'm saying. Like everybody has to take on mm-hmm. the mind of Christ. And I think part of like the role of the elders is to to model it. They're yeah. supposed to be in the mature, not necessarily position. Like yeah. we've said, they're supposed to be the mature ones displaying that and 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 hosting the edification of the rest yeah. of the body, showing them how it's done. So let's sort of start wrapping this up. Let's first wrap up 1 Corinthians 14. Yeah, Paul, Paul begins with, pursue summary. love and strive for the spiritual gifts. Yeah, um, and he says in 1 Corinthians 14, just a quick like recap of that, is specifically he wants prophecy. Why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because prophecy edifies. It says yeah, edifies, encourages. Can, encourages, and it consoles. Yeah. And we did a whole ep- yeah. um, episode on prophecy where yeah. we covered that this passage. Um, and Paul is mostly concerned, really, about um, about this gift because, um, without diminishing the others, because the Corinthians have elevated certain gifts, like we said, while diminishing others. Yeah. And Paul's into order, not chaos. And so, you know, part of this influx yeah. is going to be, say, let's keep order. And sometimes mm-hmm. the supernatural things, when they're tried to elevate it, what do they do? They cause or they open yeah. the door for chaos. And he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 14, which is all about order in the worship service. So first he starts talking about um, equality and mutuality using your gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. And that we need to use them in love and building up one another in 1 Corinthians 13. And we need to use them in order in 1 Corinthians 14. And the whole purpose is about displaying Christ so that the body of Christ might be edified. And it seems really that the church is getting off, the Corinthian church is getting off on speaking in tongues. Yeah. That's a whole episode in itself, right. and we don't have time for, for that today. But I think Paul is not discouraging it, like we've said, but he's putting tongues in its proper place in order um, because doing it out of order leads to chaos. Yeah, and he's really, he's Paul's seeking peace here. It's a shalom, it's mm-hmm. Hebraic. He's, he's trying to say shalom is the absence of chaos. It's going to bring togetherness, not decisiveness or not confusion. Yeah, he talks about confusion, which is kind of interesting with tongues and confusion because that's a link back to the Tower of Babel. Yep. So yep. he's saying, are you going to be like the Tower of Babel in your service? Right. Or are you going to be more like Abraham and, and, and the community that God's supposed to be? A lot of people miss and, that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Paul is not forbidding the speaking of tongues in that, but it's a gift that should not be taking center stage. And he uses prophecy to balance this, and that's why he says to, to desire prophecy. So as this section of verses was written to Corinth, it wasn't written to us, but it's written for us that we might glean from it. Sometimes perhaps people say, well, times have changed. How might it be 
differently interpreted to where I'm at or to our church. Yeah. What do you think? I think Paul would, if he was to write to the Western church, um, maybe he would correct us on how we've handcuffed certain gifts and yeah. maybe made people spectators in church um, rather than, you know, using using gifts for mutual edification. Um we have a whole lot of people that come to watch a show yeah. uh, um, rather than people who come to eagerly use their gifts to, to serve and build up one another yeah. in the body. It's so it's no secret. Matt and I have kind of been creating this community that surrounds us. We call it our micro church or, you know, started as a small group or whatever. And our goal is really that, that every part of our life where we do, do things together it's a better picture of, of what I think most people envision mm -hmm. church as being. Yeah. It's not it's, perfect, but... <laughs> no, it's a full gifting yeah. area, you know? And so if somebody's good at this, we're, we're going to spiritually have an encounter there, and that might lead mm -hmm. to a teaching or lead to music or, you know, something like that. And it's just this natural kind of symbiosis or progression of the way things work together. Are we having specifically seven festivals a year? Well... We actually kind of do, but but <laughs> but we also don't need an excuse to do something like that. We relatively just say, "Hey, we're going to this place on this date. Come yep. camp with us, hang yep. out, whatever." Camping trip about a month ago. Yeah, you <laughs> know, bonfire over at Rabies at somebody's birthday, and somebody ends up, you know, the kids end up playing a guitar and singing praise mm -hmm. and worship music, and we're gathered around. And most people would like call that a church service, yet the better picture of gifting is that it's just all the time. Yeah. It's not necessarily just during church. Now, can we schedule something just to do this? Well, yeah, I think that's what we've kind of turned it into, but the better picture is that just that it's free flowing all the time. Now mm -hmm. I'm not saying we shouldn't schedule a church service. In fact, I'll even sort of throw our micro church under the bus. There's been many times where we've gone for weeks and said gosh we've been too long well, without doing this like <laughs> yeah. we should do this once a week or something yeah. like that you know mm -hmm. yeah so let's look at maybe some conclusions wrap up things from this whole episode okay. so um back to the fivefold giftings we saw that there are two other lists and it, they're not really about hierarchy but they're about building up the body of christ so not fivefold not sevenfold not eightfold Fold, maybe 22, 22 fold, maybe a, maybe 122 yeah. plus. I, don't, I don't know yeah or 44. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good number. So, uh, the church is a body is the next thing. It's mutual. It's co-equal. It reflects Jesus. There's no hierarchies and giftings. And yep. these giftings don't lead to an office necessarily, um, though some might lead. Some might administrate in their giftings, um, but there's not one gifting better than the other that we submit to one another in our giftings. And they should be done um, based on maturity, based on humility, um, and uh, all through mutual submission. Yeah. Um, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yeah. We also emphasize everything is foundational to faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love drive all the rest of the gifts. So in a way, are they to be elevated? Well, they're sort, sort of, of yeah. you know, sort of. Yeah, You're yeah. supposed to perfect faith, hope, and love, but they're going to have a direct correlation to the other gifting area, the specific ones. Yeah, um, and with love, it's, it was talking about being carnational, incarnational. It's yeah. um, about being with someone, about being for someone, being unto others. And really, what we talked also quite a bit about um, 
recognition and encouragement. Yeah, um, there should part. there should be recognition and celebration of other people's gifts, yeah. especially the behind the scenes ones or the on the streets who aren't necessarily yeah. always using their gifts in front of people. They should be honored just as much as maybe the one who gives the teaching or leads the music. Yep. We also talked about order from the very beginning of scripture to the end. Order is important. That means a whole bunch of different stuff that we won't get into, but it it is a huge part of the gifting and the edification of the gifts. Yeah, and really finally, kind of identify your gift and use it because the body of Christ is counting on you and they yeah. suffer when you don't. Yeah. And I think that that's sometimes the unhealthiness we might get in churches because so many people think, oh, well, I can't use my gift or there's no space for me right. to use my gift because of certain gifts being elevated above others. So what we want you to do today is to reimagine your gift and the body of Christ together. And so you might be sitting there going, I'm just me. I'm not my whole church. My pastor has to engineer that if we're going to do that, you know. But I just want you to just sit back and go, what would it look like to have a better first century concept of what the complete giftings of Jesus in the body of Christ look like? Complete edification, order, love, hope, faith driven in everything that you do. And so that the outpouring of the gifts look like complete edification and joy in the body of Christ. Yeah, and it just displays Jesus to the world. And that's kind of the whole point of, of the gift and the whole point of the analogy of the body that we're supposed to display Christ in that. So, um, yeah, go go think today. And if uh, we were talking to pastors a little bit, if if you are a pastor, think how can how can you reimagine your your gatherings where you can display and recognize and encourage the full giftings yeah. of the body of Christ. And if, um, and maybe if you're less mature, um, like Ryan said, think of how am I going to use my gift today? How, how am I going to take the next step to not sit on the sidelines, yeah. not be a spectator, but be an active member displaying Christ through what he has gifted me with. So thanks for um, joining us. We're going to look at community in the next episode. May God bless you and keep you. Thank <laughs> you.